Hello and welcome back. I'm Victoria Isaac and I will be your host in today's episode. First, I want to thank you for tuning in and subscribing to my podcast. I know it has been a minute since I recorded my last podcast, but that is because I've been working on a big project that required my full attention and intense focus. A project that will help you become a well-versed, world-class businesswoman. You can find our podcast on www.vikawoman.com, Amazon Prime, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Our first pilot podcast episodes were already heard in multiple continents and numerous cities. And for that, thank you. So today's podcast will focus on career advice for professional women. Over the course, I have been staying tuned, as many of you have, with all that is happening in the world, but placing specific focus on how the pandemic affected women in the workplace. Studies show that many have thought about changing their occupation or field since the pandemic began. In contrast, others have considered a complete professional shift, a signal that the year 2020 has been a turning point for many. And the great resignation of 2021 is becoming a real business problem. According to the United States Bureau of Labor Statistics, 4 million Americans quit their jobs in July 2021. Resignations peaked in April and have remained abnormally high for the last several months, with a record-breaking 10.9 million open jobs at the end of July. More than a year and a half into the pandemic, the United States is still missing around 4.3 million workers. That's how much bigger the labor force would have been if the participation rate, the share of the population, 16 or older, either working or looking for work, returned to its February 2020 level of 63.3%. In September, it stood at 61.6%. The absence comes as U.S. employers are struggling to fill more than 10 million job openings and meet soaring consumer demand. Workers quitting at or near the highest rates on record in sectors such as manufacturing, retail and trade, transportation and utilities, as well as professional business services. Participation has fallen broadly across demographic groups and career fields, but has dropped particularly fast among women, workers without college degree and those in low-paying service industries such as hotels, restaurants, and childcare. Looking from the supply and demand perspective, it appears that the job market has not been this favorable for the job seekers as it is now in decades, as many are quitting jobs or starting businesses for many different reasons that include obtain fair and livable compensation, seeking more flexibility, joy, happiness, and more meaningful career. And I sure do not blame them. According to a 2019 study, an average American CEO earns 1,000% more than an hard-working, average tax-paying American, as some an average American might not ever see in their entire life. And how do they achieve such margin? Well, in combination with other metrics, is by keeping their costs low. But what costs are those? Well, this may depend on the industry and how the robotics and artificial intelligence will factor in, in the equation. But 
as of today. As any company leader knows, the biggest cost of doing business is often labor. Labor costs, which can account for as much as 70% of total business costs, include employee wages, benefits, payroll, or other related taxes. But how did we get there? Well, there are many reasons, but one of them is the fact that we live in meritocracy. But perhaps when we have more time, we can talk about that in my future podcasts. Today, I want to talk about 21 unwritten and unspoken laws elevating professional career women that I have compiled for you by using my professional experience combined with my academic achievements. From starting at the bottom to advancing to a more senior position and who knows, maybe even branching out to open your own business. When it comes to your career, professional development is no longer linear. There is a lot to learn from choosing the right career to thriving in it. You may feel as if you could use all the help you can get. Here is a list of laws and lessons I compiled to help you with choosing your future employer, especially those seeking a career in the financial industry. Law number one, find the right culture. An organizational culture will play a huge factor in the success of your career. Talented individuals want to do business with the best organizations because it aligns with their values and expectations. These gifted people, partners, and clients see the organization's culture as a strong differentiator of how you do business, rather than solely on products and services alone. If you want to understand an organization's culture, you must speak to people in your network who have experience working there or meet new people who work there. Working inside a company with solid principles, character, and culture will help you succeed. If you are not already there, you should find it. And here's my personal note to this law or lesson. As we have seen in 2020, life is too short, too precious, too fragile, and too unpredictable to sit in a place where you are unappreciated and undermined. One thing I want you to remember from today's podcast is that life is a one-time opportunity. Use it wisely. Law number two. Online research should be additional, not primary. Many job seekers tend to go on job boards and organizations' websites to seek new opportunities and learn about the culture to understand the strategic priorities. This approach should be an additional resource, not a primary. Often, those opportunities on job boards are the ones human resources have a hard time filling, perhaps due to redundancy, lack of career path, and capped compensation. To get a better perspective about the culture and strategic priorities and how you can add value with your skill, you must find ways to connect with current and maybe even past employees in your desired organization, as well as ask your network for introductions and speak to as many people as possible to get an accurate picture. Additionally, the information you read on the website about the culture and strategic priorities is often different from what is going on inside. 
large organizations control their online presence of the public in many ways. For example, anonymous platforms such as Glassdoor have many loopholes, including some organizations incentivize to write positive reviews. Others are hiring companies to write positive reviews and delete negative ones to boost their online ratings. There is no verification legibility of those comments. For that reason, among many others, online research is an additional resource, not a fact checker. Law number three, your network is your net worth. Often lucrative and prestigious positions rarely make it on job boards. If they do, some organizations hold obligations by law to post them for a certain number of days for legal purposes. But by the time they reach job and career boards, they are already filled. The best way to find and learn about new opportunities is by networking. Create personal brand, then advertise it. There is a saying, your network is your net worth. Meet professionals and create genuine relationships. Build real, long-lasting relationships, not transactional and artificial ones. The more honest and organic your relationship is, the more they're willing to share with you. Law number four. Front office, middle office, and back office. No matter what industry and organization you are at, profit and loss are the heart of every business. You will often belong to one of these two areas where you generate revenue or support revenue generators in some shape or form. In other words, client-facing or direct contact versus non-client-facing roles. Traditionally, client-facing functions are called the front office in the financial industry while non-client-facing are back- and middle-office jobs. Middle- and back-office jobs generally do not directly produce revenue, but are essential to managing risk and ensuring that transactions are correctly executed. Therefore, they are considered a necessary part of the company's infrastructure. It is crucial to understand these differences early on, because the middle-office extends the back-office. Both have far less appealing exit strategies and salary caps. Why salary caps? Because these roles are a liability to the organizations. Businesses are always on the lookout to exhaust resources, cut costs to increase their leverage and maintain healthy operating margins so they can sustain themselves and achieve and increase profitability. Remember, you never want to be a liability or a cost to an organization but rather an asset. On that note, choosing what area is right for you will depend on your career aspirations and what you want from a working environment. Once you get enmeshed in middle and back office jobs, it might not be easy to make leaps and move into other areas. However, you may discover that you are more suited to a middle or back office job, where you would flourish in a little more relaxed setting. Others, particularly those seeking client-facing positions, will only be interested in the cut and trust of front office jobs. If feasible, it may be worthwhile to have job experience or some sort of representation in both fields to determine where you belong. And if you're just starting, 
it might be better to start in the front office of a small firm than a back and middle office of a large corporation. While it can be acceptable to accept a role in middle and back office areas to learn a specific skill, make sure you have a long-term exit plan. Also be aware that some companies define front, middle, and back office differently. For example, they might call a middle office function a front office to make the role more appealing and attract and lure candidates into compensating for the low pay or lack of career progression. Others will pass out titles such as vice president, second vice president, officer, partner, senior vice presidents, directors and chiefs and whatnot. But the job may entail working in the back office boiling room, assembling reports on outdated systems and reading numbers without understanding their meaning, which hinders your growth. So be aware of those misleading terms and employers and do not let shiny things cloud your judgment. Also, Keep in mind that financial services and many other companies have been moving back office functions overseas to cut costs for some years. Since the financial crisis of 2008, some middle office parts also have moved offshore. On the other hand, companies that have retained the middle office divisions outsource some of their functions to private entities to access specific expertise and reduce costs. Countries receiving employment usually have a sizable population of highly educated employees with good English language abilities, but the pay scale is significantly lower. Ireland and India are two popular target countries. Thus, between automation, artificial intelligence, and outsourcing of middle and back office responsibilities, those job prospects might look very interesting in the future. Law number five, choose a manager, not a title or salary. This sometimes does not work for everyone, depending on their immediate and financial need. However, if you are a relatively early or mid-senior career, one of the main drivers that lure talented people to organizations is often title and compensation. But be careful, those can be solutions in the short term. Still, you might have realized that you have positioned yourself towards failure in the long term because the title is just the title. The salary does not justify the extra time you put in and does not mention a culture that hinders your career progression. Instead, choose a manager who recognizes talent in you beyond what you can see in yourself. Someone who trusts you, mentors you, develops you, and sponsors you as well as introduces you to their network. This can be a much better long-term strategy than just a salary and title. You want to work for someone you respect and admire and someone who gets the best out of you, someone you are learning from and learning with. These types of people do not come across often, but they are out there. Law number six. Play the game or get played. If you want to climb the corporate ladder, you must play the game. The game men have established way before women have arrived in the workplace. This is particularly true for the male-dominant financial industry. 
intelligent and competent women often enter organizations thinking that their hard work, education, achievements, and talent will speak for themselves. But that is straight wrong. While that might have gotten you through the door, that does not mean it will keep you and grow you. Put it this way, if skill, talent, education, hard work, and integrity were the main factors that were indeed growing people's careers, then organizations wouldn't find themselves in such a gender and racial imbalances, as the pandemic has exacerbated. Over the past 18 months, we have seen a shuffle of leadership change across organizations, and placing well-deserving qualified professionals, and in some instances unqualified, or a better economic term, free rider, from the underrepresented groups in top positions, so organizations can check off boxes and position themselves in a more favorable light to their stakeholders. It is my observations that the more organizations exaggerate commitment towards diversity, that the worse it is for those individuals in there. Why is that? Well, that is because they have so much more to prove. If organizations were really equal employer opportunity, like they like to advertise themselves, rather than a more appropriate term, a relationship employer opportunity, then they wouldn't be in a position where they are today. Which brings me back to law number one. Find the right culture for you. With that being said, in addition to some skills, navigating yourself through internal politics is what will often be the key. Playing the game of inside politics is like approaching it as a game of chess. You need to understand your player's power, positions, and predict their movement. Many people view internal politics as unfavorable, but knowing how to navigate to your advantage can differentiate between success and failure. Men have a method of doing things, such as forming alliances, gathering votes before meetings, and planning their positions ahead of time. Nothing is wrong with that. It's all about being strategic with your career. Law number seven. Have an elevator pitch ready and self-promote your branding. In today's competitive employment market, you must constantly be prepared with a compelling pitch. An elevator pitch does not have to take place in an elevator. It is just a phrase for a quick 30 to 60 second vocal overview of who you are and what you have to offer, which is like a commercial. It is critical to understand to always keep a pitch ready, since you never know when you will run into a potential employer. It may be in an elevator, but it could also be at the job fair, conference, or a lecture. It could be anywhere. And when you have a few seconds for introductions, you better know how to brand yourself as a winner wisely. If you emphasize multiple qualities, you will improve your chances of hitting on anything that piques the hire's interest. It might be overwhelming to sum up who you are at the time. After all, you're a rich and complicated individual with a lifetime of experiences. Unfortunately, you won't always have time to go into depth. And if you do attempt, it might be a turnoff. 
On the other hand, having an elevator pitch or two or three ready may easily open many doors without raising any alarms. Law number eight. Adopt growth versus fixed mindset. We either have a fixed mentality or a growth mindset. People with fixed mindset believe that they are born with specific abilities and that those abilities determine what they can achieve. People with growth mentality, on the other hand, assume that their skills can be created and improved over time. As a result, they often set higher expectations for themselves, even when facing with challenges, mistakes, and failure. To thrive, especially today, as a new employee, you need to have a growth mindset. And if you already have one, you need to keep developing it. Your success in the workforce will depend on your willingness to keep an open mind, stay curious, develop new skills, and approach complex tasks. Understanding that our brain are designed to grow and learn is one of the most direct ways to cultivate a growth mindset. The growth mindset holds that intelligence and ability may be developed through study and hard work. Setbacks are a vital part of the learning process. But growth-minded people, who recover from failure by increasing effort. Remember, failures are not necessarily failures. They are stepping stones you had to acquire to get to the next level. Law number nine. Quantify your accomplishments. Some may claim that not all jobs can be quantified. That might be correct. As a result, stay away from those professions like a plaque. Having accurate figures to discuss your accomplishments demonstrates that you either tracked your work or were foresighted enough to obtain that information from your company, or both, which makes you appear professional. As a candidate or employee, you must explain the expense of your position. You must prove and demonstrate that you can get the job done better and faster than the other person. If you want to find and retain a fantastic job, keep this simple equation in mind. Numbers equals results equals value. Employers will not invest in you if they do not believe you can deliver the outcomes they require. As a result, you must do your utmost to establish your worth through quantifying your accomplishments. Law number 10. Learn to manage up. A friendly relationship with your manager makes your work life simpler and beneficial to your job satisfaction and career. Unfortunately, however, some bosses make it difficult. Some managers are overburdened, overworked, or simply inadequate for the job. Escrinoism has shown to be a real problem across industries. Even if your manager has serious shortcomings, it is your best interest and obligation to make the relationship work. Perhaps an essential skill to learn is being a trustworthy source of assistance, since managing up does not imply gratifying and simply flattering. Instead, it entails becoming the most productive employee you can be adding value to your employer and organization. Simply put, 
Managing is doing everything you can to make your managers work easier by effectively collaborating with them. You must also find ways to prove your worth to people above them. It entails becoming the most productive employee possible, adding value to your employer and organization. As a result, the ideal road to a good relationship begins and ends with performing your work effectively. Law number 11. Performance reviews and what you need to know. In most businesses, managers are expected to sit down with each team member once a year and have this strange conversation, the annual performance review. It typically feels forced and unnatural, and it doesn't help people enhance their abilities. It costs businesses much money to participate in performance assessments with very little to show for it. Most businesses' performance are so poor that they cause more harm than good. And most managers have not been taught to evaluate performance, provide feedback, or create a growth plan. Notably, many sectors arrive with accidental managers. Remember that successful coaching requires knowing an individual beyond their performance metrics and by having genuine discussions and not the limited observations made by managers. Some managers don't have the skill set to evaluate their direct report's competency, but must have that conversation with them during performance review. While you may come across some great leaders and managers who will provide you with life-changing advice, be also prepared that, more likely, you might not. Law number 12. Dress for the job you want, not the one you have. Your professional appearance and presence act mainly as a screen where your leadership abilities and gravitas are evident. Hair, footwear, cosmetics, and jewelry can all give subtle clues. Dressing well and professionally doesn't only make you more productive, leaving you feeling good and setting the tone for your professionalism, but most importantly, it shows respect for your audience. Law number 13. Learn and develop persuasive and negotiable skills. You will always have to persuade someone, something, or someplace to buy your product or concept, no matter what sector or job. Negotiation and persuasion are both forms of art. In today's volatile corporate climate, the ability to properly bargain might be difference between success and failure. Don't be shy in asking for what you want. Successful negotiators are forceful and question everything because they understand that everything is negotiable. Negotiation consciousness is what distinguishes negotiators from everyone else on the globe. While there are other techniques to effectively negotiate and persuade, I continue to feel that Aristotle's theory is among the most excellent options available. The strategy involves framing a persuasive argument by implementing the following elements. A. Ethos which stands for credibility and ethics. B. Pathos, 
which stands for emotions and feelings. C. Logos, which stands for logic and reason. D. Telos, which stands for purpose and end goal. And E. Kairos, which stands for right time and opportunity. Law number 14. Negotiate your job offer compensation. Failing to negotiate your pay can significantly influence your earning potential because a lower starting wage has a compounding effect. Some job searches justify choosing a lower-paying position by persuading themselves that they can always negotiate a better salary during performance review season. However, unless expressly stated otherwise, you should not assume that the raise is assured. You should nearly always try to negotiate your wage since you won't have another opportunity to discuss compensation for another year. As a job seeker, you are entering a new role with good faith based on a job description and a few interviews and have no idea what to expect. Even if you hit the ground running on day one, there are several reasons why you might not earn a raise. Some firms cannot provide increases or bonuses if they are experiencing financial difficulties. Others have regulations governing how long an employee must remain with the company before being eligible for a promotion or raise. So, you must make the most of each discussion. There is almost no better way to negotiate than when starting a new position. Law number 15. Negotiate a sign-on bonus. Most people are eager to shake hands and begin sharing the good news with friends and family after a successful pay negotiation for the desired job. However, there may be one more discussion you should consider in today's world before saying yes, which is a signing bonus negotiation. A signing bonus is a one-time payment made early in your employment with a new company. If you leave the company in less than a year, you will typically be required to refund any signing bonus you got. If a firm is anxious to hire you, there is a strong probability that the employer may discuss or even guarantee you a signing bonus before you have received a job offer. If you are offered a signing bonus with a set amount of money, don't assume it is not non-negotiable. Employers offer sign-on bonuses for a variety of reasons, including A. To outperform the competition and the more in-demand you are, the more likely employers would initiate a signing bonus discussion with you to lure you away from their rivals. B. To avoid internal wage equity practices. If you request a salary that exceeds the maximum limit for your projected level of position, the company may attempt to make up the difference through a signing bonus discussion. C. To compensate for your lost income if you are leaving your present company, will result in loss of an expected bonus or other perks. The recruiting organization might try to repay you by opening a signing bonus discussion. Law 16. Negotiate your exit contract. You are used to haggling over specifics when you are offered a job. But what about when you lose one? 
if you're laid off or quit a job, don't sign your leave papers until truly investigating what you may negotiate. You may have more clout than you realize. Organizations that provide severance benefits to employees do so because they want something in exchange, which is a waiver of your future right to sue the company. The severance is a pittance in comparison to the potential legal, billable hours the legal department will encounter. <laughs> do you see what I mean? A severance agreement is a legally enforceable contract entered into by you and your employer. You can negotiate it in the beginning or at the end. When you sign the agreement, you waive your right to sue the employer in the future. Always consult with an attorney to verify that you understand what you're receiving. An attorney's perspective on the agreement, your claims, and your bargaining power may be drastically different. Above all, keep in mind that this transaction involves your time and money, not emotions. There's a danger in each severance discussion that you will end up with less than what is first offered. But you will not know until you make a written demand for more significant severance. Your investment in the attorney's time to study and negotiate the agreement might result in a considerably bigger compensation than what you paid in legal costs. Law number 17. Build credibility and respect in your industry and protect it. Credibility and respect are vital in the world of business. Several characteristics can aid your achievements. However, if you are going to support some features inside yourself, you might be better off focusing on those that will make you believable. In some ways, credibility is more significant than achievement. It indicates that others see you as a trustworthy resource and decision-maker. It reassures individuals who rely on you to rely on you, trust you, conduct business with you, and align with you. Being trustworthy entails cultivating a set of very particular traits, regardless of your job, organization, or sector. Therefore, if you are in an organization that diminishes your credibility and respect in the industry, something you worked on throughout your career, you might think twice if it's worth staying there. Law number 18. Create multiple income streams. Your full-time job might be your primary source of income, but that does not mean it should be your only one. Creating multiple income streams allows an individual to have various cash flow sources that are coming in. This puts you in a better position to be prepared if one source of income fails. For example, if you lose your job, as many people have during the pandemic, you can never know what is coming ahead and what is happening behind those closed doors in your boss's office. Simply, having more revenue sources means having more security. It is difficult to rely on a 9-to-5 for your income when layoffs and wage cutbacks are constantly on the horizon. On the other hand, with numerous income streams, you can avoid placing all your eggs in one basket and employ multiple sources of cash 
to ensure your financial stability. Given the advanced technology today, it has never been easier to generate passive income, either by investing or starting a business that generates a cash flow or joining an advisory board. The options are limitless. There is nothing wrong with having multiple income streams and more than one career. Law number 19. Learn about personal finance and investments early. In today's society, there are two methods to generate income. The first choice is to work for yourself or someone else. Another approach is to enhance your fortune is to invest your assets so that their value increases over time. Your grasp of the foundation of budgeting, saving, debt, and funding will influence every aspect of your life and can be the difference between success and hardship. The goal is to produce cash whether you invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, options, futures, precious metals, real estate, small companies, or a mix of all of the above. This might take a shape of increasing investment value, dividend income, the sale of a firm, or some other type of liquidity event. One of the essential things you can do to live a healthy, happy, and secure life is to learn fundamental personal financial skills. Investing in the process through which you can take control of your financial security. It enables you to increase your money and produce an additional income stream, if necessary, before retirement. You might not need to employ a professional advisor immediately, get an expensive fancy degree, or spend a fortune for guidance when a tremendous quantity of information is already freely available online. All you must do is to look and determine for yourself by using your own judgment if you require further and more profound knowledge on the topic from an experienced and legit professional. Law number 20. Learn basics about 401k. And before I dive into this law, it is important to note a disclaimer that this content is for informational purposes only and not an investment advice. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. Nothing contained on our site constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, and endorsement. Well, with that being said, let's start. A 401k plan is a retirement savings vehicle offered by a company to an employee in the United States. It allows employees to keep a portion of their income and invest it without paying taxes first. Instead, taxes are postponed until the savings are taken from the account, when the employee achieves 59.5 years. If you remove your savings before that age, you will be taxed and penalized for early withdrawal. It is essential to note that all distributions, including your earnings, are taxable income when you retire, which means you have no idea what your tax bracket will be at 59.5 years old. Companies that do not have 401k plans must pay more significant wages to remain competitive. Many companies that participate in these schemes will match your contribution dollar for dollar 
up to 6% of your qualifying income once you have completed a specific number of years of services with them. But why 6%? Well, for beginners, because 1-3% to are frequently utilized to pay management fees, something the financial industry revolves on. Prices often range into three categories, investment fees, administrative fees, and individual service fees. And you will have to study prospectuses and yearly reports in fine prints to understand the cost of managing the investments. In addition, inflation will wipe away another 2-3% to of your profits. So, until you get at least 6% return, you haven't made much any progress beyond paying off your 401k management fees and keeping up with inflation. Another critical concept to grasp is the illusion of free money and employer matching. The employer match is a reallocation of your current pay package and what the firm can afford to pay you. Because your company is providing you with this program, your compensation is lower. So, to begin with, it is not free. It is a portion of your actual salary distributed via a different channel that comes with a waiting plan called vesting. Many businesses intentionally postpone their 401k matching for the first year of their employment and have vesting timelines that span four to six years. And by the way, six years is the maximum allowed by law. A vesting schedule indicates that an employer may need a specific number of years of service before matching contributions become available to the employee. Therefore, your employer may be able to recoup part or all its matching contributions depending on your 401k vesting timeline plan. That is, if you quit your work too soon, it will take money from you because the average length of employment has decreased to 4 years from 4 years and 3 months, depending on gender. By deferring your 401k matching, employers avoid the obligations to offer 401k matching to a sizable portion of its workers. Unsurprisingly, job transitions are the one of the primary reasons that billions of dollars in unclaimed and forgotten money currently exists in American 401k plans. Also, 401k plans limit your investing selections to a minimal set of possibilities. Depending on your employer, you will most likely be required to select from a list of authorized mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, ETFs. That is, at best, you will receive a mediocre outcome. Notably, 401k may lose value when you need them the most, which is retirement. And unfortunately, this occurred very recently in history. Many people are also led to believe that because they participate in 401k plans, that they will magically have enough to live on upon retirement. That is very far from true. While saving for retirement is essential, it is best to educate yourself very early on in your career about 401k programs and if this is something that works for you and whether you should be exploring different investment venues to secure a stable financial future.
Law number 21. Mentorship and sponsorship are wonderful, but learn to advocate for yourself. Even when women have mentors, women tend to trail behind males in promotions. However, when women's mentors are high-ranking, they fall into the sponsors category. Women are equally as likely as male to advance. A sponsor can catapult a protégé, which means in French to protect or being guided by an older and more experienced person, to the top of a list or pile of applicants, or perhaps remove the obstacles altogether. While sponsors play various functions, including guardian, advocate, and coach, most people are unaware that sponsor may significantly affect how and whether we bargain on our behalf. Unfortunately, finding a sponsor isn't as straightforward as it seems. While it is typical for a protégé to begin and push the connection with a mentor, the dynamic in sponsorship is frequently reversed. In this case, the sponsor is often the one who makes the decision. However, at its foundation, it is the ultimate form of self-promotion. Women's success is dependent on their willingness to communicate their accomplishments to crucial higher-ups consistently. Sponsors want to be sold on a protégé performance and potential, and it is challenging to make the sale if you are wedded to modesty. If sponsorship aims to ensure that women are supported and endorsed, the first step is to support and promote ourselves. Well, that is all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. To learn more about unwritten and unspoken rules elevating career women, please subscribe to our email list that can be found at www.vikawoman.com as well as our podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Prime. Thank you for joining me and I will see you in my next episode.